staff, let's hold our video stream. We need a quorum of the council to start the meeting. Let's put 30 seconds on the clock again and start our video stream. call this joint meeting of the Law and Legislation Committee and the City Council to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you. Council Member Kaplan? Here. Council Member Vang? Here. Council Member Jennings? Here. Vice Mayor Guetta? Here. And Chair Valenzuela? Here. And Chair, this is a joint meeting with the City Council and Law and Ledge Committee. The actions today, though, are Law and Legislation actions, but we do have the full council that may attend should they choose. Yes, thank you. Um, so thank you all for, it's probably a little complicated on a few fronts. Um, we are doing a joint meeting today because the Racial Equity Committee heard the core proposal. And so in order not to violate the Brown Act, we have invited a couple of our colleagues from the Racial Equity Committee to join us today. So um, Councilmember Maple will be joining us as well as Councilmember Vang, and I appreciate their time in doing this so that we could also talk about the full scope of proposals today at Law and Ledge. Um, if you were here for the consumption item just want to make sure that you are aware that that has been postponed for two weeks so it's not on the agenda but I just want to make sure I know we talked a lot about hearing consumption lounges on the fifth and that has been postponed um, for two weeks until our next lawn ledge meeting um, so we hope you'll join us for what should be a very robust discussion on that day um, so we only have one item on our calendar today and that is the city cannabis business operations taxes operation oh and we just lost our fifth um, so we are, so for members on the dais, we need five people up here to be able to do this. Oh, hi, Mayor. Hello. <laughs> How are you? You're joining us as Can well. Yeah, of course. All right. We're just, yeah, thank you. And you're now our fifth, so we can keep <laughs> proceeding with our business. <laughs> here to serve. Thank you very much. All right, um, so we'll invite Davina up here to start with our staff presentation. And for folks in the audience, if you'd like to give comment on this item, please fill out a speaker slip in the back or up here at the front and turn it into the clerk. And if you're online, we will enable the raise hand feature and you will have till the end of the first commenter to raise your hand and we will call on you after we call on folks in the room. Um, so with that, we will turn it over to Davina to start our presentation. Thank you, um, and good afternoon, everyone. My name is Davina Smith, and I'm the program manager for the city's Office of Cannabis Management. Um, we're here today, as the um, chair mentioned, to provide this requested update to the Law and Legislation Committee regarding some tax, uh, cannabis business tax items. Um, so um, I do have colleagues um, either here or online from the Department of um, Revenue or our Revenue Division to answer questions that there may be on current practices regarding cannabis business operations tax. Currently, it's 4% for all of our cannabis businesses, and it's calculated on gross receipts. Businesses uh, self-report monthly, and um, transfers from one business to a separate business is considered a taxable event. Uh, apart from our 4% tax, retailers collect and remit to the state a 15% excise tax and an 8.75% sales tax per cannabis transaction. So I think it's important to understand how we fit both in our region as well as in similarly sized cities. So first we'll look at our region. 
Uh, Sacramento taxes in comparison with our neighbors are, um, we're actually less than our neighbors. The one we don't have up here is uh, West Sacramento because they don't have a flat tax rate. They do development agreements and their taxes range from 2% to 5% and speaking with their staff based upon the, the details of the development agreement. So that was too um, um, difficult to calculate. So we just kind of put that as an asterisk. Um, in looking at and comparing the tax rates and the number of businesses between Sacramento and Woodland, Stockton, Yolo County, and Davis, we do have a lower tax rate than our immediate neighbors. When we look at similarly sized jurisdictions throughout the state, uh, we looked at San Francisco, Oakland, Fresno, Long Beach, and Vallejo. Um, we are kind of in the middle there. Uh, I would point out that Sacramento, um, in comparison with San Francisco and Oakland, has a much smaller uh, cost of doing business when you look at ra uh, rental rates and things like that. This also doesn't account for availability of permits. Sacramento is one of the few jurisdictions in the state that has a fairly open um, permit availability, right? If you, if you want to open it, we will allow it um, with the exception of storefront dispensaries. So um, that is something to take in, uh, consideration to as um, comparing the, ba the basic numbers. So we were asked to look at some alternatives to our current taxing scheme. Uh, we came up with four different models. Um, one of them is an across-the-board reduction for all cannabis business types. One is a phased-in tax rate specific to core businesses. The third is a graduated tax rate by annual volume of business or gross receipts. And then the final one is looking at different tax rates for different cannabis businesses. Um, we also included analysis of what those impacts would be to measure L funding, general fund um, dollars, as well as sort of what the impact on the average cannabis business would be. So in the first analysis that we looked at, this is the across-the-board reduction, we looked at three different scenarios, changing the, the, our 4% business operation tax to 3%, to 2%, to 1%. So this, uh, this figure shows what that reduction would be to the city um, based upon fiscal year 21-22 numbers if we did that reduction. Um, so you can see at 3%, it's, it starts in, that's a 25% reduction to our current amount, 2% would be a 50% reduction to what we currently get, and 1% is a 75% reduction. Davina, can I ask a quick question on that? Sorry. Um, so when you looked at this analysis, oh, uh, did you include any factoring in of like business attrition, business growth, or anything like that, or was this just a straight 1% is 25% analysis? So this is why we looked at fiscal year 21-22. Um, we had the, the numbers and the permit numbers, right? So we had the fiscal numbers and the permit numbers together. Um, I can tell you that um, in 22, the fiscal year 22, um, we had 27 permits that were surrendered in 2023. So far, we've had five permits. And then between 2018 and 2022, we had about 50 permits total. So we're averaging about 10 a year with the exception of uh, 2022, which is you know, about four years after sort of everyone kind of entered into the green rush and started applying. So we kind of expected there would be a shakeout at some point, and that's where it happened. Okay, but that wasn't like there's no, um 
like this is just a point in time analysis of if we just reduced it one percent. Like, was that included in the analysis? So Paul? this is looking at okay. fiscal year twenty one to twenty two, and so the total. So if a business surrendered their 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 business operating mid year, they weren't producing any further tax revenue, and so the revenue would have been lower. So in looking at that across the board change on Measure L and general fund um, spending, right? So um, of course, 40% of cannabis tax equivalent goes into Measure L. As you can see, at a 3%, 2%, and 1% tax rate um, for fiscal year 21-22, uh, it does decrease significantly, as does funding for the general fund. And then for the average cannabis business, this shows what the impact would be. So at 3%, if you're a cultivation business, um, you know, you would pay at this time $75,000 a year in 4% BOT. If we reduced it to 3%, it would be 56,000, 2% would be 37,000, 1% would be 18,000. And so you have the different types of businesses on the left, the numbers that we have, and then you can see the reductions that happen for each different cannabis level. So the next model is the phased-in model for core businesses. Again, this is specific to core. This model looks at the first year of a core business having a 0% tax rate and then going up by 1% each year until they hit 4% at the five-year level. Uh, this was recommended by the Racial Equity Committee on their August 22nd, 2023 meeting um, as a core benefit. So the impact here is pretty minimal on the um, general fund and Measure L funding. As you can see for fiscal year 21-22, total BOT was approximately $23 million, and the core portion of that was about $640,000. So for that year by itself, it was about 2.7% of total CBOT. Um, if we look at a five-year projection, that goes down to less than 1%. And again, this is the, the impact on the individual business over a five-year period, looking at fiscal year 2018 to 2023. Um, as you can see, it's, it, is, it does go down um, by about, on average, about $8,000 per individual business. The third model that we looked at is this graduated tax model based upon the annual volume of business or gross receipts. And in this model, we're looking at providing uh, the biggest tax benefit to those who are grossing the smallest. So under $100,000 would be a 0.5, all the way up to those grossing over a million dollars, which would be uh, stay the same at 4%. So in this model, you can see for the 112 businesses that gross over a million dollars, they would experience no tax relief. For the 80 businesses that um, get less than $100,000 in gross receipts, they would experience um, a pretty significant tax relief. And then you can see for the other businesses where they fall out. You'll note that the total reduction in CBOT for this model is 2.14% for that fiscal year. So this is probably the second most least impactful to the general fund and Measure L funding. And those numbers are portrayed here. So for the average business, again, uh, savings go anywhere from $600 for those making the least amount up to you know, $7,400 for those in the grossing $500,000 to $1 million. And then our final model that we looked at is applying different tax rates for different types of cannabis up to our current allowed maximum of 4%. 
This model looks at keeping storefront, deliver, storefront at 4%, deliveries at 3%, and every other type of cannabis business, cannabis business at 2%. So as you can see, the loss to the, uh, the, in the total revenue to the city would be about 28.3%. The impact on general fund and Measure L funding would be substantial. Again, it'd be about 30% total, uh, just over four million to the general fund and about 2.69 million to Measure L funding um, if it had been in, in place in fiscal year 21-22. And then for the average business, again, the savings are, are nice for the individual businesses. So we did want to provide a bit of a summary. Um, our recommendation at this point is to move forward with the Racial Equity Committee's um, recommendation to provide a tax benefit to core businesses. We think that is in line with the city's goals. It doesn't unduly impact both Measure L funding and the city's general fund totals. We also think that it, um, at this point, it's, it's, it's not timely for staff to really make a recommendation for larger cuts to Measure L or general fund monies that would come in. Um, it's really sort of inappropriate. That's, that's something that was passed by the voters, and so that's not something that really that staff feels comfortable doing. Um, we certainly understand that there is desire in the um, business community for tax breaks. We are sympathetic to that. We do believe that um, both the 15% excise tax from the state is hitting businesses hard, as well as the underground market. Uh, we definitely would encourage the council to increase our lobbying efforts at the state level to um, lower that excise tax, as well as find new ways of dealing with underground market and increase the penalties there, because they're certainly impacting. We do think that something said by the mayor at the Racial Equity Committee um, is helpful here, um, and he had mentioned that um, the core program tax break really could be a, a pilot program to see if the tax benefits and providing a tax break is impactful to business survivability. You know, we do think that, you know, we want businesses to be able to not just get operational, but be able to operate past that first five years. And I think by having the core business tax reduction, we'll be able to see if that works and maybe in five years look at our overall tax rate. We also want to think that um, if, if, if the, the Law and Legislation Committee is going to make a recommendation that we pursue one of these options beyond the core business tax, I think it's important to take that in mind because any reduction um, of non-core business taxes needs to kind of come to mind that is it going to make the core tax benefit meaningless. So we'd want to kind of keep that in mind if another recommendation is going to be made. I know there's a whole lot of people who want to talk, uh, and I'm sure the, the committee does as well. So I will pause at this point, and if there's um, questions in the future, I'm happy I'll be sitting right over here to answer them. Okay, thank you, Davina. Madam thank Clerk, um, will we start the public comment period, please? Thank you, Chair. I have 10 speakers. Um, the first six are in chambers. Um, Adjawa Aikayu, Edola Adelpipe, then Laura Mendez. Ajua, Hi, good afternoon, Councilmember Valenzuela, 
Mayor and members of the Law and Ledge Committee. My name is Ajua Achianu and I'm a policy advocate with Youth Forward. Youth Forward is a Sacramento-based youth development and policy advocacy organization that has been active in the areas of cannabis tax policy and public health since 2017. In 2017, we organized a statewide coalition of over 300 racial, racial justice and youth serving organizations to bring forward recommendations to the governor's office and three state agencies on how the state should spend its cannabis tax revenues. We have urged leaders to invest cannabis tax revenues in communities of color most impacted by the war on drugs, as well as youth development, child care, and youth substance use prevention. To date, Sacramento's nonprofits and the city itself have received over $20 million from the state grant programs we helped to create. In 2022, we were a primary leader of the campaign to create the Sacramento Children's Fund, also known as Measure L, and the city budget through directing city cannabis revenues to child and youth services in communities impacted by poverty, violence, and trauma. While we have and continue to oppose industry-wide cannabis tax cuts, we are supportive of efforts to prioritize equity in the cannabis industry ownership space, as we recognize this as an imperative need to address the harm and complex, complex destructive nature of the war on drugs um, in communities represented by core business owners. We appreciate the analysis by the city staff that takes into account how tax reductions would affect funding for the Children's Fund. We agree that the city sh staff should have policymakers must consider to support core business owners and address equity, and at the same time- Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Our next speaker is Adiola Adelpipe, and then Laura Mendez. Good morning, my name is Adiola Adipe. I am the owner of Aiden's Relief. Um, thank you for your time this morning. Um, I'm here as a parent patient as well as a manufacturing operator. As a parent, my story started in 2016 when my son was diagnosed with T-cell leukemia at the age of two and given three days to live. Through his journey, he is a leukemia survivor now. Um, he went from the miracle baby on the third floor. And over the years, I remember having to make a very important decision if I was going to mortgage my home or if I was going to pay for this life-saving medicine for my son. Um, I am also an equity graduate from Saccharine Equity. I own 100% of my business due to the core program. I'm very nervous at this time to continue my business because of taxes. Um, I've witnessed as an operator, as a counsel at a therapeutic alternative, very sick patients who have cancer, having to make the, um, literally counting out change in their purses to pay for their medicine as they go through their treatments. Um, so it is disheartening to hear that there's 10 operators that are surrendering their licenses because the process is very extensive, it's very costly. We do not have the um, funding or any loans that we can go to, but the, the very important information that I wanna get across is that cannabis is one-tenth of businesses in the city of Sacramento, and we provide 75% of taxes in the city alone. Um, when you think about Walmart and the big corporations, they're pretty much paying about 500,000 and we're paying 200,000 a year. Um, and so that's very disheartening to hear. Um, in the city of Napa, Davis, Dixon, and Los Angeles, among a few, they have 
um, eliminated and suspended their taxes, especially for medical benefits, and they also provide small business benefits as well. So I am in favor for the cannabis tax relief, especially when it comes to the core equity, moving that forward, among everything else that Davina has said. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker is Laura Mendez, then Mindy Galloway. Hello, my name is Laura Mendez, and I've been a medical cannabis patient for over 30 years. And I have also worked in the cannabis industry and have advocated for medical use for almost 20 years. Cannabis has been a great alternative for many, including myself as a fibromyalgia patient. I have witnessed the benefit it has given thousands of people over the years. After my mother suffered a stroke when she was in a coma and put on numerous medications, I knew I had a lot of work ahead of me. Giving her CBDs daily helped her significantly. She started to regain her memory and speech. We could lessen some prescription dosages and take her off some completely. As a benefit, she also started to regain her balance. Once taxes were raised and having to pay multiple taxes, she couldn't afford CBDs anymore. <clears throat> With taxes being so high, it is almost impossible for some to purchase this valuable medicine. We as patients are forced to go without, which in turn has a negative impact on our health or some have to turn to the streets to get cannabis tax-free. I was here when our city council voted to make Sacramento a compassionate city. One of our patients that actually spearheaded the campaign was also our compassion manager and sadly, sadly has recently passed away. She would be so proud of you if you walked your talk and removed the tax for medical pa uh, patients today. Thank you so much for all you do for Sacramento. Thank you for your comments, Mindy Galloway. Angelica Sanchez, then Anthony Cortez. Hi, good afternoon, committee members. My name is Mindy Galloway. For the past five years, I've been CEO of Camilla Shared Manufacturing, and I'm also a social equity operator. Like many other cannabis operators, I have put everything that I have into my business. I'm in hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt because of it, and I appreciate your ear when it comes to creating a sustainable economy for this cannabis industry. I've read the staff report, and although many other cities have higher tax rates than us, it does not make it right. Many cannabis businesses are closing down in numbers at the moment, and it makes it very scary. San Francisco has completely suspended their cannabis tax as well as 10 other cities that have reduced their cannabis tax based on our now data that we have going back from being in operation for a few years. So I strongly urge you to um, reduce taxes across the board for all cannabis businesses. This would really help lower prices and help us get a hold of what's going on in the unregulated market as well, driving patients and members back to legal cannabis where it is needed. Um, also, I really strongly urge you to reduce uh, medical taxes for the city of Sacramento, also providing relief um, to those that really need it for um, use and um, a lot of their medication that they need. Um, thank you for your time. I think that's it. Thank you for your comments. Angelica Sanchez and Anthony Cortez. Uh, good afternoon, City Council and Law and Legislation Committee. My name is Angelica Sanchez, and I'm representing 
uh, Perfect Union. Uh, we have five cannabis businesses in the city of Sacramento, two retail storefronts, two cultivations, and a distribution facility. Um, and I am in full support of a phased tax model for core businesses. In fact, I am in support of any tax break for cannabis businesses. Um, we are competing against the black market. Uh, the illicit market right now is taking most of our sales and it's really hard to do with the state and the city tax um, compounding on itself. Um, I read the staff report for today's meeting and the staff compared the tax rates set in Sacramento to neighboring cities and counties, which was a regional comparison. It also compared in similar size. The cities it compared us to, while being closest in proximity and, and in size, have not been in operation as long or at the same scale as the cannabis businesses and the city of Sacramento. This means these cities have yet to realize how these tax rates affect the longevity of cannabis businesses. Um, for example, Woodland's tax is listed in the staff report. It's listed at 10% for retail. There's not a single retail store in operation in the city of Woodland. And what they have yet to come to realize is this tax is much too high, which is what we're realizing here in the city of Sacramento. Um, if staff were to compare Sacramento to other cities in terms of length of cannabis programs and scale, they would find that these cities lowered taxes or established moratoriums on their local tax, as a few other speakers mentioned before me. Berkeley, for example, passed an ordinance to put a pause on their cannabis tax for the next two years, just to give them some breathing room uh, to compete against the black market. Uh, San Francisco also pa paused its BOTC tax uh, for 2021 and 2022 to give um, their cannabis businesses a chance. And I'd like to also quote uh, Berkeley Vice Mayor uh, Ben Bartlett, who said, Berkeley is home of legal cannabis. We need to make sure the industry survives. Thank you for your Let's comments. Let's not tax it to death. Thank you for your comments. Thank Anthony you. Cortez, then Cyrus Javadi. Good afternoon, Mr. Mayor, Chair Valenzuela, and Council members. My name is Anthony Cortez. I'm General Counsel for Natura Life and Science, uh, one of Sacramento's biggest vertically integrated cannabis companies. Um, echoing what the previous speaker just said, I'd like to focus my time specifically on the staff report. And we recognize how utterly complicated it is to make comparisons. There really are no apples to apples comparisons. But I don't want this meeting to adjourn with the understanding that that staff report is gospel truth because there's a couple of issues as the previous speaker just mentioned that need to be pointed out. For example, the cities of Woodland, Yolo, County, Stockton, Vallejo, they were all listed as categorically if an operator would to be present there would face a higher CBOT. And that's simply not true. If you were a distributor, you would pay significantly less in each of those four uh, jurisdictions. And there are a number of other issues. The comparison to San Francisco. There is a, 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 a comment in the staff report with respect to a 24% 24, 24 reduction in CBOT for an operator that would be operating in the city of San Francisco. That's simply not true because in San Francisco, their cannabis tax doesn't even take effect until 2026. And even if it does take effect in 2026, and there's, a, there's talk of prolonging that date, it would still be lower than what it is here in the city. And so with, with, with the understanding of my time is limited about getting to apples and apples comparison, in order for this staff report to be uh, pertinent, in order for the council and the legislative uh, uh, committee members to have the accurate data, they need to look at all the other cities statewide that have come to the conclusion that there is an absolute problem with local cannabis tax and state tax for that matter. 
But the local jurisdictions in the dozens of states, uh, cities and counties that we've identified for the council in separate information. Thank you for your comments. Um, your time is complete. Our next speaker that there is, is a problem Thank you for your greater. comments. Next speaker is Cyrus Javadi. Uh, good afternoon, council members and uh, mayor and uh, committee members. Uh, I represent Connected Cannabis, which is headquartered in Sacramento. We have a one retail store, one distribution center, um, three cultivation entities, including one nursery as well in Sacramento. Uh, we support any tax relief for the industry, and I would like to uh, remind those present of the benefits of controlled legal cannabis. Two, uh, two objectives are quality control and ensuring that sales um, occur to only adults. Um, regarding quality control, um, the risk of contamination of heavy metals of aspergillus is significant. And uh, we in the cannabis industry bear the costs of testing um, in, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in, in most companies. Um, the testing and also um, the destruction of, of, of product that doesn't meet those requirements. Um, secondly, the distribution to adults. That includes um, significant security costs, and those security costs um, extend into uh, the protection of facilities, and many of our facilities are getting broken into uh, multiple times per year. It hap it's happened um, at Connected. Um, given all the taxes we pay, we, we receive very little benefit um, from the various legal uh, entities such as the city of Sacramento in, in providing those benefits to the end um, consumer and society as a whole. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. I have five more speakers. The first is JJ. Hello, Council. Can you hear me? We can. Awesome. Wanted to come in today and show my support for the recommendation for a phased-in tax relief program for CORE and overall just a tax relief for all cannabis businesses. I think that the biggest hindrance to the cannabis market today is taxes. You know, more so than the black market, more so than the thefts, it all comes from the taxes. I think it would behoove council to go down or hold a meeting with actual license holders in Sacramento to get their uh, to get their thoughts on taxes. Too far often when I go down, and this is on a state issue to the CDTFA on one of their two tax paying days for the quarter, and everyone's saying the same thing, that it's unsustainable, it makes no sense. And the tax system that we have currently is a uh, is a it's just nonsense. It, like I said, it's it's unsustainable. You can't sustain a business in this type of environment. And no other industry pays taxes and has a tax code the way that cannabis has taxes. As a retailer, an owner, a license holder here in Sacramento, I'm unable to write off a lot of the other write offs that any normal business has, and that is definitely unfair. And for new people coming into the business, you're far too often in the red for longer than five years. As some of the other speakers have said, we have cities and jurisdictions such as San Francisco and Long Beach who have abstained their taxes for a year or two years for businesses to be able to give them the opportunity to get into the black. 
And I think with Sacramento being the capital of California, we can lead the way in this industry. And I know as city council overlooks the report that OCM just gave you, you guys are looking at things such as how much money you're gonna be losing to the general fund and to measure L, but you gotta play chess and not checkers. If we continue down this road, you guys are gonna lose all these licenses and the golden goose is gonna die out. So we need the tax relief now. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Michael Snell. Michael, can you hear me? We can. Hi, Council. My name is uh, Mike Snell, owner of Off the Charts here in Sacramento, uh, one of the second equity-owned uh, dispensary. Um, I'm just calling in support of any equity business tax relief, um, as uh, the previous speaker just stated, from Trees of Knowledge. Um, you're gonna, you can lose the goose um, by by penalizing us with these hefty taxes. The push is still for normalization. This is already classified as medication. We are still punishing the tax industry and treating it as a sin tax. Um, and I know the concern about Measure L and Measure U, but we have a great opportunity um, since the consumption of alcohol hasn't been taxed and the increase of enforcement from police and, and uh, from law enforcement and uh, the the criminal justice system for those that are arrested for DUI. So those those see an increase. However, it's still upon the cannabis industry to offset that that uh, financial impact. So as we push for normalization, I'd ask that we widen our tax base and focus on um, and focus on expanding um, or increasing our alcohol uh, consumption taxes, even by ten cents per 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 item. I don't know, um, but nonetheless. Uh, retreat. We can't. We can't punish something that's actually medicine, um, and we have uh, we have poison um, running wild in our communities. And if we're really want to do a service to these to measures, measures L and measure U, you can't have it all relying upon an industry upon within its infancy. Um, and if we want to stimulate growth, we're not only combating the black market, but we're obviously combating inflation. Um, and so I appreciate the staff report um, that's discusses the other regions, but that's none of that's none of our business. And we, we have the opportunity to do something different and set the example as a state capital. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker is Richard Miller. Richard Miller, if you'll unmute. Somebody go to the next speaker. Rhonda Ernest. Richard Miller here. Okay, go ahead, Richard. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Richard Miller here. I've been a medical cannabis patient here in Sacramento or in the state of California for 30 years. I've been a part of this process in Sacramento since its inception. And the very thing that we were worried about as patients is the baby was going to be thrown out with the bathwater has occurred. This really concerns me, and I never really understand it until recently when I became um, on disability, and I'm surviving on less than 60% of my normal income. I now see the impacts that medical patients do uh, suffer from. It costs much more to be a medical patient than it does to be an adult user. I started looking back at my receipts, and back in 2016, 100 milligrams of gummies was 11.25 with taxes out the door. In 2023, it is 24.11. In 2016, 200 milligrams of a chocolate bar was 22.50 out the door. 100 milligrams now is 25.34. And my CBD pills that I take every day, which are 30 pills, no medicating 
or intoxicating effects other than able to give me relief from anxiety and inflammation were $45 out the door in 2016. Now, currently, at 2023, it's $110 out the door. A 300 milligram or three ounces of salve was $22.50. Today, it's $74 out the door. With this excessive taxation, we've really thrown the baby out with the bathwater. We are not taking care of the medical patients that brought this industry forward. We are not taking care of them. And we should do a, a no-tax structure, just as Davis has done for their medical patients. We should remember how we got here and the importance that this medicine is to medical patients and never forget that. And we should give them a discount as well as the core program for those people moving forward in a positive direction. With a cannabis industry here in this city creating business taxes of 75% with the businesses being less than 1%, we are highly taxing this industry, making it extremely difficult for the patients and the businesses to survive. I would ask for tax reduction if at all possible. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker is Rhonda Ernest. I have two more speakers. Hi, um, my name is Rhonda Ernest. I am the CEO of Natural High here in District 5. Um, I hear everyone speaking and I'm, I'm in full support of a tax cut for CORE. I also want us to always remember why CORE even exists. It exists because a certain group of people has suffered behind the uh, war on drugs. And so when we enter this market and try to compete with everyone out there, and I think everybody, and I'm not just going to talk about court, everybody's suffering behind the tax situation. It's hindering everybody, okay? It's scary from month to month, year to year, and, I, and I'm new. I'm a year and a half in. When we enter this market, it is so scary, and you invest everything you have, and every month you are slip, you you're, you feel like your um, foundation, your foot is on a banana peel. You're slipping. I think that definitely core needs you need to start with a, in order for us to um, have a stable foundation in this industry. We're going to need that tax cut. It, it's so important to compete and to even get are, you know, footing in this industry. So I'm just, I'm, I'm in full support of CORE and really overall everybody receiving tax cuts because it's ridiculous. We're not going to be able to sustain. And that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Kimberly Cargallers, our final speaker. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? We can. Hello, my name is Kimberly Cargyle. I'm the CEO of The Therapeutic Alternative, a storefront cannabis dispensary in East Sacramento. My company has paid over $2 million to the city of Sacramento in taxes, yet we are still treated as a second-class citizen in this city that we so proudly serve. And even though the city-funded EPS study has shown that the cannabis industry has not made a negative impact, we're still paying a sin tax and this is not just. One thing that I did not see mentioned in today's staff report is medical patients. Medical patients come specifically to my dispensary because we put a great deal of time and expense into continuing education for our staff. We are known as the place you can send your mom and your mom's mom for that matter. Our medical patients are suffering from a wide variety of illnesses and disorders. They should not have to pay taxes on their cannabis medicine. I also did not see in the staff report that the city of Davis allows medical patients to not have to pay any tax at all. I often have to send our patients over to my dispensary, Davis Cannabis Collective, 
because they cannot afford the taxes here in Sacramento. They are often on a fixed income and paying out of pocket for this medicine is already a burden. I know you're concerned about the impact it'll make on the budget, but let me tell you, it is very small. When we pay $12,000 a month to the city of Sacramento, only 1,000 of that is for medical sales. And you guys have that information as we report it every month to the city, it's a requirement. Please have compassion on medical cannabis patients and remove the tax on medical cannabis patients today. With the rest of my time, I'll list some of the reasons that medical cannabis patients come to a therapeutic alternative. PTSD, migraines, endometriosis, MS, lupus, autoimmune disorder, a variety of cancers, gastrointestinal disorders, fibromyalgia, autism, epilepsy, muscle spasms, anxiety, neuropathy, insomnia. Thank you for your comments. Chair, I have no more speakers. Thank you, and thank you everybody for taking time to call in. Um, thanks to our unusual format today, I'm going to let our mayor start off with some framing opening comments, and then we'll go over to Councilmember Kaplan, who did punch up first. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. <laughs> this is a um, unique format, and maybe it does speak to the importance of these issues that we are meeting in joint uh, committee, so to speak, with the committee that has jurisdiction over the subject matter and the full city council, of which many members are here. So I just want to see if I could frame it from a mayoral perspective here. First of all, I believe that the industry needs relief. That's what I believe. Um, I think that testimony is compelling. I think um, this is a very difficult business, and I think the taxes are very high. And it's especially true of core members, uh, those who are trying to make it without a lot of experience. Uh, and it's true for all, everyone in the industry. What I'm grappling with and why I think there, while there is urgency here, I think this shouldn't be a one-off kind of a hearing. It's going to require some, some care and consideration here is how do we best provide that relief without blowing a major hole in our city's general fund? And the two are related uh, in, in many respects because uh, in theory, by reducing taxes significantly, we will then dramatically increase the number of, uh, of, dis of dispensaries where I know we have 10 uh, core participants to go, more delivery, more manufacturing, uh, and the business will boom if, that's, if, the, if the theory is correct. On the other hand, if the theory is not absolutely correct or close to being correct, we will then reduce those taxes significantly at a great loss to the general fund uh, in a way that will harm our basic city services, by the way, including funding for youth under Measure L. So how do we be analytical about this? And in my experience as a longtime state legislator, we haven't done this as much at the city level, I know the imperfect science of using tax policy to try to achieve outcomes. Um, seen it in a lot of different areas where you reduce taxes, but then you ask the question, is it gonna lead to the result that you want? And I think that's the question we ought to ask and answer here today. Um, what, is going, what combination of changes are, is going to help improve the competitiveness of the industry and at the same time, not blow a hole, as I said, in our general fund. And in that light, and then I'll turn it back over to the chair and to my colleagues, um, a state excise tax of 15% does beg a question 
about whether or not a reduction of 1% or 2% in a city tax is actually going to make that dramatic difference when the tax at the state level is, let's just say, large. And I'm not sure that there's much going on in the last week's session uh, over at uh, the Capitol on that subject. Last comment and point. I would like to know from our staff what kind of vacancies we have in existing buildings that are intended for cannabis. A and how many permits have we issued across the board that have not been taken up? And there may be a lot of reasons for that, but if one of them is the cost of doing business, I wonder about, just put out, I know Vice Mayor Garrett and I have been talking a lot about this, he has an idea, about how we might link businesses that have the opportunity to go in to take that opportunity and fill our vacancies um, and tying that to across-the-board relief, across-the-board relief for not only the new businesses but the existing businesses as well. So I, that's just my opening comments in terms of how I think we ought to approach this, um, not just as a lawn ledge committee, which I'm not on, but uh, as this gets to the full city council. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. And I know that question of vacancy is further complicated by another pending cannabis item, which is the zoning update, which we started talking about last fall. I'm like looking around. Does Steve remember? No, Steve. Um, sometime last fall, so I know that would obviously be a direct link to like where could cannabis businesses be also if we change the zoning would drastically change the potential linkage there, and I'm very interested in how that conversation plays out. But anyways, back to the queue here, um, Councilmember Kaplan. Thank you, Chair Valenzuela, and while the mayor has stepped out, I appreciate his framing it because um, he talked about some of my favorite words of analysis and balance and what we propose, does it actually get where we need to go? Um, I, I wanna say right off the bat that um, thank you uh, to our those on the diversity, equity and inclusion um, subcommittee because I think the right action that I am happy to move forward ASAP to city council is uh, the reduction in, in uh, core taxes for that gradual. Um, but I think where the mayor framed it is a conversation that we need to have a further discussion is, is how do we provide that tax relief? And what does that tax relief look like? Because while this report does give us some information, it is lacking in a significant amount of information, I believe, for us to take any true action. Um, today, I think we can make proposals, and I'd like to make some proposals to have staff look at to, to bring back, um, because we need more of a comprehensive look. Um, something that I saw was the city of San Diego looked at and did a report of uh, looking at a uh, reduction of their cannabis production facilities from 8% to 2%. It was a report they released last year that I think is a good frame that I would like our staff to look at as to how to present things to the city council because it not only looked at the reduction in taxes but also started looking at where the mayor asked us to go to is what happens if we do this? Where do we see growth and how long will it take for to recover in any reduced um, tax loss? So I think the next report as it comes to city council really needs to look at um, 
in the different scenarios, what does it mean if we reduce it, um, working closely with business um, and open storefronts, how long is it going to take to potentially recover, and how do we balance it? But I want to say very clearly, any loss in taxes to our general fund and Measure L are not really part of my decision making, um, because I think we need to look at everything as a whole while being mindful um, of our budget. I would like to see uh, staff when this um, comes back, because I'm pretty sure, well, we'll, we might take one action where this is not the end of the discussion. But um, because here's the balance. Um, I think we need to find out and balance more between medical and recreational. I do know studies have come out to look at uh, the access to medical cannabis cards sometimes are inequitable. Uh, access to doctors, whatnot. I uh, want to make sure if we look at differentiating in taxes between medical use and recreational, um, that we aren't disadvantaging those who can't actually or have a hard time because they may not have health care coverage of getting medical. But um, this is a balance that we need to look at, and I am uh, supportive of, of looking at specifically um, is there a way to provide some, some medical uh, tax relief uh, in that regard. But I think more importantly what we have to look at is right now our taxes are so high that at minimum in Sacramento uh, it's 27 but on average it's 38 percent taxes from beginning to end till it comes to the consumer. And of 11 states that basically tax the same way California does, of four different of the state and excise uh, tax and the local taxes, uh, California is only second compared to Washington in the total taxes that are uh, taxed, where in reality a majority of the states are taxing total around 20%. And our averages, uh, they looked at LA and a couple other cities, were averaging at about 38%, and Sacramento is not so far off from that. Um, we legalized cannabis for safety, for quality control, to try and get it out of the hands of children and only adults, but also to recognize the medical benefits that come from legal cannabis. And right now, our taxes and our tax rate are pushing people to buy illegally. Because we have had such a hard time, uh, we no longer have relief from the pandemic. Uh, especially those who, who need medical cannabis are going to start turning to the illegal market because the illegal market is potentially a 50% reduction. And um, people are on limited income. So we need to balance that. While I, I encourage and I know that Governor Newsom came out of supporting a reduction in the excise tax, uh, I believe that has to potentially go through the legislature and have a two-thirds vote, which who knows in politics whether that's possible or not. Um, but we do know that the governor is supporting that. Uh, Mayor, I know you have a great relationship with our governor, so any insight you could potentially have on the status of the governor pushing towards an excise tax reduction I think would be helpful. Um, you've got time. Let me you know. ping him right now. <laughs> um, but I think it's something we need to pay attention to as to whatever action that we look at, at a, as a city, that if there potentially is a reduction in excise tax, do we have an if then, you know, where we understand where tax relief needs to come from. Um, I think this needs to be multi-level, not just at the state level, but at the local level. Because right now, core uh, small businesses are operating almost at a deficit for five years. And that's 
That's not wise business model. I don't know how anybody can truly survive. And I would hate to think some of our small businesses and supporting businesses, we say you got to be in operation six years before you can make any money. Um, I don't. I don't think that's what we as a city um, want to do. So um, while I know our the amount of money coming in on business taxes or on cannabis taxes has significantly increased. Statewide and nationwide, there has been a reduction because we are seeing in a trend down of the maximum amount of how uh, this is overtaxed. So I think we need to balance while 14 million came in, um, we're seeing, you know, in 2020, we've seen reductions. And I, and I have a hunch that more reductions are coming. Um, so Measure L hasn't gone into place yet, but we need to be cognizant that even if we take no action, more reductions and less taxes are coming in. And how do we balance, as the mayor said, um, doing something and getting the result that we want? But I do want to say right now where we're at, we are pushing people to the illegal market, and that is unsafe. The where products now are untested and contaminated, we have concerns about fentanyl. And participants in the illegal market have no legal recourse if something goes wrong and how do we resolve it. And I think this is a time where we need to appropriately reform the industry's tax structure. Otherwise, we're going to see an avalanche of adverse consequences. When cannabis goes out of business, people lose their jobs. In Sacramento, some of those are union jobs. We're leaving working class people unemployed, shuttering social equity businesses, and it's um, and we're and we're continuing putting children um, and others at risk. So, um, Davina, just a couple of questions. Um, so it was brought up by uh, some of uh, those in comments that um, the report did not accurately reflect what has been done in other jurisdictions. Um, can, can you provide, uh, do you have any feedback on, on that? Sure. Thank you. Yes, uh, I, I do have um, a response. Um, what we did in our analysis was to look at the tax rate as it is in those other jurisdictions and take that tax rate and apply it to the number of businesses we have. So in jurisdictions that may not have any storefront dispensaries, for example, well, we do. So we looked at their tax rate for a storefront dispensary, say Woodland 10%, and applied it to our numbers of businesses. So if we had the same number of permitted businesses with their tax rate, this is what the difference would be. So that's what we looked at. When we made, we actually made the decision for those who have recently sort of kind of put a... Um, uh, you know, a, a halt on collecting taxes. Um, since that's a temporary measure, we didn't take that into account. Um, we just looking at the base tax rate that have been approved by the jurisdictions and that are still in effect. Thank you. Uh, you know, as a new committee member, and I've not spent a lot of time on cannabis, and I got to tell you, taxes is my least favorite thing to discuss. Um, that having a fully comprehensive report to help me understand that, because had I looked at your report and not known that there were no, no storefronts open in Woodland, it would have seemed that we were comparing apple to apple, where in reality, we're not. 
Um, so I want to make sure, because Woodland doesn't have any storefronts, so a 10% tax is different when we're looking at how do we apply things in Sacramento. So in the next iteration as this comes forward, I would like, because it appears that Humboldt County has reduced its cultivation tax, Lake County has done things differently, Monterey County, Sonoma County, Santa Barbara, Santa Ana, Bellflower, Coverdale, Des Desert Hot Springs, Long Beach, Palm Springs, San Diego City, San Francisco, San Jose, Watsonville, City of Shasta Lake, and Berkeley have all done things that I think a comprehensive report uh, so that I can read it would be helpful. That, that explains just a summary of what they've done, because how would that look of doing some of those things here um, in Sacramento? So I'd like, um, and hopefully my fellow Lawn Ledge uh, committee members can uh, get behind this, that we move forward with the core, but bring back a look at alternative measures for um, tax relief, specifically looking at what is across the board of a 2% and a 3% cut, and where is it getting to, where is tax, where is um, the recovery, getting to where the mayor talked about. So if we know in this report we have how much we're losing, what I don't see is, have we talked to businesses, if there's been an expansion in businesses, where will that loss be mitigated? You know, is that loss mitigated? The, the city of San Diego in their report in 22 to council did that, looked at where if you take these cuts, where the mitigation um, is. And then on item three that you presented to council of a graduated tax rate um, by annual volume, Uh, where did you come up with uh, the differentiations for how you were going to tax different uh, gross receipts? Yeah, so we, we spent some time looking at what other jurisdictions were doing in regards to tax. Um, and then we sort of brainstormed some that we didn't see that we thought might be useful here in our city. Um, we initially had, I want to say, six different models. Um, and then after shopping them around um, our office and up to our management, we decided on the four that we presented. Okay, um, I, I would like to see if what what does that look like if we spread the rates between 0.5 and 3%, um, so that there is somewhat of a of a tax break going from four to three, and what does that look like? So I think instead of uh, a report coming back just looking at one thing of an automatic cut, you know, giving us different options, um, and what does that growth look like? But um, I think this is something we need to look at closely um, and provide some, some tax relief um, because I'm supportive of finding that relief, uh, but I need more information in front of me um, from our staff in order to get there. So thank you. Thank you, and I will add editorial note for folks who don't watch every long ledge hearing because I don't know why you wouldn't, um, that we've actually put off the tax item a couple times over the years, and the most recent time last year was because we thought the state might move on excise tax and we thought the feds might move, and so we thought, hey, let's wait and see what happens, and then we can adjust accordingly, and I just want to name for my colleagues as we continue the discussion before I get to my comments that we can always adjust it again. Like, adjusting it once doesn't mean that we have to say, oh, no, we're never going to touch it again. So if we adjust it and the state says we're eliminating the excise tax and we're like, wait a minute, like, there's there's an opportunity here, we can always come back within the limit approved in this voter by the voters up to 4%, right? So I just want to make sure there's an editorial note that that's clear because we obviously can't control the state as much as we all wish we could. Um, so, yeah, putting that out there. Mayor Pro Tim Fang. 
Thank you, Chair Valenzuela. I really appreciate your leadership on calling uh, this joint meeting. Um, I don't believe the mayor, Councilmember Maple, and I can actually vote on this item since we already took a vote uh, in the Racial Equity Committee. So I think mainly just to provide comments and feedback on this item. So I really appreciate your leadership. I think we only need one more council member and then we have the whole council on here. Oh, you can. Oh, you can vote on it. Can we, can we, no. The, the non-members, so I was correct. So this is mainly just to We're comment. We're testing the limits of the city attorney's <laughs> office's interpretation of the Brown Act, Great. but we May are not, they are not voting, yeah. we are voting. That's right. It so mainly, we're mainly here to comment um, and really provide our feedback. So first, I just, again, want to thank Davina and staff really just for their hard work to get us to this moment. And I also want to say thank you to all the core participants um, and all the speakers who attended today um, and those that called in via Zoom uh, in support or to provide additional insight and experiences. Um, you know, I, I said this during the Racial Equity Committee meeting, and I'll reiterate some of my comments, right, um, that we all know that that past enforcement of cannabis has um, led to negative impacts of life outcomes and and uh, life outcomes for family members and individuals arrested. And, and the, the goal of CORE is really to eliminate any barriers to enter the industry, um, but to ensure that those impacted by the war on drugs can really benefit from the program. Um, for me, it's really important that mayor and council continue to support our core businesses to address the equity, and at the same time ensure that there is also resources available uh, for our children and youth that's actually impacted by violence and trauma, and sometimes cannabis as well. Um, and I think it's really also important to make sure that we honor what was approved by the voters in Measure L. Um, I support um, the phased tax model recommended recommended by city staff. And just based on my uh, personal reflection, uh, based on conversation that I had with core participant, is that if we do a tax break for all, then core would no longer really be an equity initiative because the tax relief would be applied to everyone in the industry, not just core participant who is already so much behind. Um, I believe we absolutely should provide the tax relief to our core businesses and participant um, and would also um, echo what uh, council member uh, Kaplan shared that um, that law and ledge, I would urge law and led to move forward on this item uh, for the council to consider in full consideration. Um, something I also just want to bring up as well um, is that, you know, some thoughts around the tax relief piece around the cannabis industry is that, you know, I feel like we need to modernize actually our, our BOT because we actually should be raising the cap on businesses like Walmart's that are actually not paying their fair share. So like right now, big box like Walmart is capped at $5,000, right? And while we're uh, focusing on this, and I know this is the point, this is the focus area that we're discussing today, I also just kind of want to center the conversation that as we're looking at taxes and cannabis tax, I think it's also important for us as some of my colleagues share to take a to take a step back and actually look at all of our taxes and have we moder modernize all of our taxes because the fact that business like Walmart is only cap of five thousand is absolutely unacceptable, right? And that's something that we should be looking at. Um, and so for me, I support the phase tax model proposal for now um, and hope that we can move this item to the full council for consideration um, while we are working. Because I absolutely agree with Councilwoman Kaplan and the mayor um, that I think it's really important that we gather more comprehensive information to explore really what the balance is when we talk about reduction of taxes. Because um, if the outcome is that we get more businesses and more revenues for the city to, to you know, to provide uh, essential city services, I'm in full support of that, right? But I think it's important to make sure that we have the data to support that. Um, and so that would be my, um, my comments on this item. And thank you so much, Chair Valenzuela, for calling this joint meeting.
Thank you for being here. Um, fun fact, if we removed the $5,000 cap for businesses, and this is a little bit old data, but just for your noggins to know, um, it would only affect businesses that make more than $125 million a year, and it would generate $9 million for the general fund. Now, these are slightly old numbers, because this is when Don Holm was the finance director, but just to show you a snippet of what Mai's talking about when it comes to modernizing the BOT more broadly. But fun facts, things you learn when you talk to finance staff a lot. Um, Vice Mayor Guerra, go ahead. Uh, thank you, Chair, and thank you, Chair, for that uh, refresher for those of us that have been um, on the Law and Ledge Committee for a long time, and sometimes we call it the Cannabis Committee because it's, it consumes a lot of our time here, um, is that we have been looking at figuring out how to right size and look at the appropriate uh, uh, tax rate for uh, this industry. Um, and the first thing I will say is I, I don't I want I want to be cautious that we not let the, the state off the hook here because I unfortunately by a lot of localities reducing their um, percentages um, you know for good reason the re same reason we're here today you know to make sure that the that we maintain a uh, an industry that is functioning responsibly that is main, that is also has the checks and balances that were envisioned. Uh, in, on all the health aspects of it and um, uh, eliminating the black market and all the unintended consequences of the black market. That, that has been a significant reason why some of these uh, cities have done that. Um, I will say, though, some of them, you know, uh, that are larger than us, I mean, I'll just say Long Beach and L.A., for example, those cities have got two ports and some, one makes revenue off of, you know, pumping oil. So... Um, they have different revenue structures than than uh, our city of Sacramento, even though we're a little bigger. Our, I think our challenges are more significant. Now, we're here today because staff did some good work about looking at the equity aspect of our core participants and how do we make them successful. One of the goals uh, of this, of, uh, of why we did the core program, is to ensure that we have an equitable entry into uh, an industry. And so uh, to that effect, I think we've gotten to a, uh, a proposal that has some merit and it doesn't have a significant impact on the general, general fund. So, um, you know, I'm going to second my colleague's motion here, but with, with uh, some direction. Um, and, um, and before I, I, you know, make that clear direction, I want to talk about a, a couple things here. One, um, I, you know, I urge us to be very cautious in moving too hastily on reducing the um, the tax. Now, the city has, uh, for good or wrong reason, has relied now on um, $20 million plus of uh, tax revenue. And, um, you know, the Measure L itself, there's a lot of expectation on that uh, as well. And so in the middle of this, at the same time, when we're trying to address issues of the other impact that's affecting the legal industry, which is enforcement. Um, the black market is very active uh, and, uh, and is reducing the price of the, the market, which is why you also see all of a sudden in a period of two years um, the, uh, the businesses facing significant challenges, along with inflation like every other business as well. Uh, but I caution us if we don't th take that too seriously, we're going to have less um, resources for code enforcement to go after those that are growing illegally. And uh, we also, my understanding, correct me if staff is wrong, is wrong, but we've gone from nine members of the department to three members of the department that are also doing 
police department that are doing this type of enforcement on that, on, uh, on affecting the illicit market, undercutting those that are in the core program, also those that, that have taken the, the right uh, responsibility in, um, uh, in following the restrictions that we have. And so I worry about that because uh, what has happened is this delicate balance where before we actually took on some of these strong regulations and also enforcement, um, we had illegal grow houses that were taking up entire communities and um, creating very dangerous situations where you had break-ins and homes that were catching on fire. We had, uh, you know, we had also homes that were all of a sudden unlivable because of the destruction of all of the mildew and what that's happened. And and, and the, right now, I think where I've heard concern is is um, the, uh, the 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 warehouse um, usage. Now that we've done very well in moving into illegal residential growth, uh, moving the industry into warehouses. So. Um, where I, where I worry here is to make, to make sure that we don't move hastily in a position that affects the general fund where we can't actually execute the other aspect of this. Now, um, and uh, on, the, on the other side is if we don't take serious action, which we have seen, uh, uh, we've heard here, is that we may actually lose the industry altogether. But I think the mayor uh, makes a good point. We should figure out what level of action that's going to move us forward. I'd like to give staff direction to look at, you know, those CUP holders that have vacant buildings. Uh, if we recall back four or five years ago, my interest was that we only issue BUP, BOTs to CUP holders in tandem because we want to make sure that a CUP holder and a BOT uh, applicant can actually execute a business. What good is a CUP if it doesn't actually have a business in there? And now we have a scenario where we do have some businesses without... Uh, uh, business and it could be because they missed that window to start up could be the tax rate but I'd like to figure out can we create can we look at what are the incentives to uh, fill up those um, CUP um, approved CUP uh, holders with the BOT so there's the recruitment side and then there's the retention side what we hear from the industry is that if we don't change the tax structure we're gonna affect retention in the city but what we also need to focus on here is uh, on the flip side is what's the recruitment side? Uh, where are we, where are we uh, being competitive both uh, with our neighboring partners? So um, I also would like to have the staff report reevaluated as far as what does the neighboring jurisdictions and the tax structures in those really mean on the competitive side? Uh, and so making sure that when we come back that we actually see what is uh, competitive um, with our neighboring jurisdictions on the legal market. The last piece I guess I'll say here is that, um, you know, uh, for those in the industry, I mean, uh, I think in, in this, the, you know, the, the growth in the city has naturally happened in two areas. Three, if you want to uh, look at retail, but that is in um, the southeast area and the northeast area. And, uh, and then in the central city when it becomes for retail. Um, if we really wanted to look at, you know, supporting the business, I'd encourage every other council member to look at zoning in their own area, okay? I mean, for a long time, part of the cost has been also the supply of locations and facilities and what it's created a real estate market that uh, is unrealistic. So, you know, I, I encourage folks that if, if, you really, if you really think this is a good industry, then, you know, invite them to your, to your council district. 
Um, the, so that's one aspect. Uh, and then the second, um, I do, uh, I mentioned enforcement here, but I would like to get a response back on, um, on where we are on enforcement. I asked the city auditor to look at how well we've done in, on enforcement of the illicit market and how we can make sure that we, uh, we um, uh, ensure that those that are spending their resources, that are hiring local folks, many folks have hired uh, local contractors, electricians, who are in union shops, to build out their facilities, they should not bear the brunt because of an illicit market. I think we need to be aggressive on the illicit market. There's a lot of dangers for that. Um, and do our part here on the, uh, on the tax structure side. Um, so I've, I'll stop there, but I do want to make sure that we look at, on a progressive scale, how do we support the vacant locations that are already there so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let's make sure that those that have already started down this path to have a relation with the city, that we can figure out how to make that those right incentives moving forward. Um, let me stop there, Madam Chair. I'll second that motion with those directions if the maker of the motion is uh, okay with that. Um, and, oh, the last two pieces here. I think there are um, a couple areas where, you know, there we should question how that uh, tax structure really fits in. One, labs. Those are good jobs. Those are I've gone to a lot, of, a lot of the labs, but they're taxed also at an interesting, at a higher rate, and um, many, and also delivery, which is uh, not the not where a, a lot of the economic activity happens, but it's a major supply chain of it. Uh, and we should probably look at incentivizing more manufacturing. We're a manufacturing town. We should be. So we should look at that. Look, what are the uh, the areas of of the industry that have been successful? So. Um, I'll stop there, and um, thank you, Madam Chair, and I think there's more to do. Uh, definitely. Well, I'm going to insert myself here before I call on the mayor again, since I've been waiting patiently, and I wonder if any of my other colleagues who haven't made comments to please chime in now as well. Um, Lainey, can you remind me what the tax rate is for non-cannabis businesses? I can't because it there's a variety. It's okay. specific it's to business. It's specific... Oh. It's specific to gross receipts. It's specific to type of business. It's a complicated model. What's the range and of percentages? Tax range. Um, well, it's a minimum of $35 and a maximum of 5000 And some of it's based on number of employees. Some of it's based on gross receipts. So it's really kind of a, a moving variety. We did a pretty substantial report back to council and made an effort in 2010. And in every budget since then, we have suggested modernizing our BOT to match um, some of what other cities do yeah. um, because there is somewhat of an equity issue as well as modernization is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that it's something that has to go to our voters in order no, to do no, I understand. I guess, I mean, a roundabout way, I'll say it a different way. Um, is Walmart paying 4% of their gross receipts? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I say that because um, I want to start my comments just by noting what I've heard from a lot of stakeholders, core and non-core, across my district, which is that this is a very unique industry. Um, what I hear a lot of people say is like, well, of course businesses want tax breaks. And I'm like, yeah, but like, let's, let's think realistically about what the cannabis industry, they can't access financial assistance or loans. They can't write off employee expenses or things that they purchase. They are paying almost everything out of pocket and they are paying a rate of tax that is so far beyond what any other business pays in our jurisdiction. And in some cases, including here in Sacramento, we are taxing them at every single point. So I remember at our last conversation, we talked about how it's not just taxing, like we were taxing distribution. We're not just taxing manufacturing and sales. We're also taxing in between. 
so we're essentially taxing it twice um, to say, hey, this product is getting taxed with the manufacturer. It's getting taxed when it gets sent to the dispensary. It's going to get taxed when it goes to the to the point of sale. And it and it's there's a lot of I think. And we've talked about this at this committee a hundred times that we started so early that there wasn't a lot of precedent that we could lean on in terms of how other cities do cannabis. But now that we have a few years and we're seeing what other cities are doing and we're hearing from these stakeholders, right, who are justifiably like, yeah, we support core. Yeah, we support youth. But like if we're not here, then we can't do either of those things, um, which is, I think, something that I take very much to heart, not just because those stakeholders are in my district because they're employing a lot of people in my district. And as Councilmember Kaplan rightly noted, a lot of unions members in my district that I care a lot about and I want to make sure that we continue to foster an industry that has proven to be historically inclusive in terms of who is working in this space as well as obviously with our new core businesses coming online even more inclusive as we make the intentional practice of giving them permits and assistance so I will say that I am very supportive of a graduated proposal for core. I will also say that I have not had one core participant tell me that they think 4% is cool. Not one of them, right? Not one of them thinks that's sustainable. And so I'm just saying that, right? Because like, it's one thing to say we're going to start you at zero, but you've got some core businesses, including folks who testified here today who are already at year two or beyond, and they're saying that doesn't really help me much, right? So like, if our priority is equity, I think we need to look beyond the five years. And I appreciate that 0% at the beginning is important because you're just opening your doors you bought a bunch of equipment, you haven't written any of it off, that makes a ton of sense. But then like what happens, where does that end and what's realistic across the industry as all of these new businesses are coming online? Because that's why I asked the question, Davina, when you had that slide is I'm like, you know, we have at least 10 core dispensaries that are getting ready to open and hopefully more manufacturing and delivering other services coming to town. So like, do we really know what that projected increase is so that we can effectively look at what a tax rate would look like if we were to reduce it? You know, you've got 10 new dispensaries coming online that's a pretty big boost in potential future revenue not out the gate because it'll be zero but like they will grow and they will eventually help rebound as was mentioned the any loss that we see out the gate so I mean personally I'm ready today to say 2% across the board and frankly 0% for distribution. I think double taxing like this doesn't really make policy sense and and so when I look at and I hear what my colleagues are saying and that they want to see more analysis and I support that I'd like it to be brought back quickly um, which I know is saying a lot but like when we see a total number like I really want to see it broken out by type of business like what do those jurisdictions charge for type of business how many permits do they have for those types of businesses so that we can see in addition to the analysis that my colleagues asked for like what are we really talking about in terms of apples to apples here and like you know if you have no dispensaries I don't really care what your tax rate is because clearly you're not actually taxing anybody it's just sort of like a theoretical proposition at that point um, so I think having the permits what permits are issued there I'm really interested in 2% really interested in 0% for distribution because I just don't think it makes sense and I'm worried that we're gonna lose manufacturers I mean we have manufacturers in this region in our city that don't exist anywhere else brands that like we let you know by name even if you don't use cannabis products I mean this is something that we don't want to lose because I think they're employing a lot of people and they're also generating a lot of income and of course my my computer just went to sleep because I was listening to all of my colleagues great um, comments that sounds awesome let's do it friendly amendment is that accepted that friendly amendment awesome. is accepted um, as, I, as, I potentially heard another one on I've the got a few one. I've got a Coming few coming to city council maybe I'm, not four percent but another okay okay no I'm, I'm get, I'll get there I like I like where your head's going um I I want to support the comments on medical patients um if we're already collecting that data I really don't see 
the big change in, in terms of it's more of a policy decision. Um, my, some of you who know me who I've toured your sites um, know that my father was a medical cannabis user at the end of his life. It greatly improved our time together for the last few months that he was alive. And I can imagine what would happen if he had to choose between those two things. And the thought of medical patients really having to feel the brunt of an additional few percent on their product when they're having to deal with enough already really does bother me. And so I'm very supportive of that idea. I want to talk about fees, um, and and Davina and Lainey, I um, am really hoping that when we talk about taxes, we can talk about fees, because I think the vice mayor brings up an important point. Enforcement is paid for by fines and fees, right? And so when we think about what our fees are, what are our fees, given what we started with versus now what we know with the EPS study and several years of work? Are we charging the appropriate fee for the work that needs to be done to mitigate any impact of these businesses, right? Like, what does it cost really for PD? What does it cost really for code? What does it cost really for these different approval processes as we're licensing folks and going through that process? Because those, I think, up front, especially when we talk about people not actually starting the business, getting the CUP and then stopping, I feel like what I'm hearing from folks is there's this avalanche that comes right before you get going when you're trying to get everything permitted and you're buying all your product and you're do doing all the inspections where you're having to do a lot of extra steps and pay a lot of city fees. And I think that's an important component of the discussion if we're talking about sustainability of the business. And I know we talked about that when we talked about the EPS study, but I don't think we brought anything back yet on the fee structure. Yeah, there, there are two things. Um, first of all, we don't have information from our dispensaries a differentiation between a medical purchase and a regular purchase. So that's something that I don't know that we can report back on in two months. We'll have to figure out how to get at that data okay. um, and, and talk to our folks who are, are maybe our dispensaries can't. So if you report it, that's fantastic, and we will get with our revenue staff, and we will separate that out. Thank you. Okay. Um, the second is that um, your second question was on fees. fines and fees. We are working on doing a fee study. Revenue division is going out. We're going to piggyback on them. Our expectation is that all of the fees will go up because we are not currently covering our cost of service. We already know that our permits don't pay for the staffing that we've built out in order to staff the regulatory structure that we have in place. So that could be problematic. And then on the uh, CUP side, that's a planning function. They do their fee studies on a regular basis, so those fees are yeah, that's separate, a separate from, yeah. yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess the different spin on that conversation then that I'd like to have given the EPS study is we built that regulatory structure with certain baseline assumptions many years ago. And I guess the real question is more of a policy discussion of given what the EPS study has found about impact or lack thereof, do we need that level of oversight from the city side? Like, do we need all of that happening at the same level that we thought we would, given that now we're looking at data that shows relatively small impact to nearby communities? And do we, how do we balance the need, like the council vice mayor said, for enforcement and oversight with fines and fees, with the and that's the realistic staffing equation. We have the study, it was based on a lot of great data. How do we adjust our internal process to make sure we're not overstaffing, for lack of a better way, or that we're appropriately staffing? I'm not saying that I'm not making a conclusion that we're overstaffing. I just I would like to see your analysis on what staff is necessary for the fees that we're charging today in terms of what the actual impact has been historically. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the things that we've done, um, I know since I arrived in 2020, is to look at our staffing, and we have reduced it significantly. Um, and 
for those that we haven't, you know, we've, we've eliminated entire positions and transferred things to like, okay, if you work on a cannabis item, then charge us on an hourly rate, right? Which is much less than saying we're gonna staff an entire position. There are a couple departments where we're still staffing entire positions, and so we're gonna be looking at that, and we can absolutely bring that back and, and discuss that. Um, we'll let, certainly look at it as part of a fee study as well. So I, it almost seems like it makes more sense to bring that with the fee study. Um, because that will be sort of the, the updated look at what things really are costing us to do. I can certainly give you, I could tell you right now what my dream uh, staffing would look like, but um, I think it's important to have that information from the, the, the fee study consultants as we move forward with that discussion. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining a matrix of sorts where it's like, you know, impact, you know, that we're assuming are necessary costs for like processing a permit or researching, et cetera, to like what that cost is to what the fees are. I'd love to see that just broken down um, so that we can understand, because I think it's important that we, because I know we'd all love more staff, <laughs> um, but I just think it's important that given the what we're hearing from the industry in terms of overall cost burden that we're being really thoughtful about how do we pare that down to something that's meaningful but not necessarily overcharging if we don't need certain functions anymore now that we've seen how this plays out for a few years. Um, so those are my two, and I don't know, um, Council Member, I know you mentioned like maybe you want to amend the core motion too, um, but like I, I'm supportive, I'm looking forward to a discussion within the next two months about what a 2% would look like across the board, what medical could look like, what 0% distribution would look like. I'm hoping we can move this quickly. I mean, I am seeing some core dispensaries specifically in my district are starting to open up now. Um, you know, I'm, I was touring sites just last week of, of one that's about ready to open, and I really want to give people a little bit of sense of what they can plan for. And again, to my colleagues, just want to remind us, we can always bring it back and adjust. You know, if the state reduces their fees, if the feds take action, and which we hope they will because they are basically taking money out of an industry that's operating here at a really high rate, um, and we would like that money to stay locally. <laughs> um, but, you know, if that changes, we can always change. You know, we can always talk. If we're going to go to the voters to update the BOT, we could do this then too. So we can have a lot of flexibility with how we proceed. I don't want us to think that we're necessarily locking ourselves into a framework for the next 10 years if we make adjustments this year, which I hope we will. Um, I see many people have gotten back in the queue. Uh, so, Mayor, and do you want to? Oh, you want to hear Councilmember Maple or? Yeah, Councilmember Cap Maple. One of us. Yeah. Um, thank you, Chair. So I wasn't planning on speaking, but um, I'm going to make some brief comments now that I've just heard everything. Um, I just want to say I really appreciate this conversation. I think this is um, just hearing all the perspectives on here and a real understanding. Um, you know, I think this is the case. Uh, even even a couple of years ago, you wouldn't have had, or a few years ago, wouldn't have had a similar conversation. The understanding of what the industry is going through um, from an elected perspective and from a staff perspective has clearly grown. And so I think that's wonderful. And I really want to appreciate all the work that you've done to Davina to you know update your department and to um, really connect with the industry too. I, I always get really great comments from people about how, how you go out of your way and you and your team um, to connect, especially with our core operators. So I appreciate that. Um, uh, for those who don't know, my job for the last few years before I was elected to office was working in the cannabis industry, and um, particularly I drove all around the state of California and worked in cities to help them pass their ordinances and um, to open up businesses in some of those jurisdictions. And so I have a lot of lessons learned that I that I learned in that process, and so if anybody wants to chat about it, I'd be happy to share some data too. Um, and I just want to make it clear that, you know, Sacramento was one of the first. We really led the charge, and so... That's great in a lot of ways. That, that means that we've actually had an industry that has been able to grow and flourish in a lot of ways that other cities haven't. Um, but it also means that, you know, as these other cities are coming online and they're becoming more attractive to these other businesses because they're 
they have more updated and, and modern ordinances and tax structures, and I think we should be aware of that. Because I certainly, as, as you mentioned, Chair, don't want to lose any of our really unique businesses here in Sacramento. Um, and just also want to say that a lot of the policymaking that happened originally um, prior to Prop 64 passing is really like a fear-based policymaking. It was around what we didn't know. You know, what we didn't know was going to happen, what the industry was going to be like, is, are we going to have, you know, you know, all kinds of unintended consequences. I think we have enough data now, right? We have a lot of really good operators that have shown that they want to do it right, even though it's hard, right? Like the, the illicit market is by far the biggest operator in the city of Sacramento um, and all across uh, the state and the U.S. Um, and so it's really, really difficult just from that perspective. And then you layer on top of all the things that we just discussed here. Um, and so I just want us to all be very conscious about that as we're moving forward. And I really respect Councilmember Kaplan's perspective on having the data, having a report. Um, I think that that makes sense um, because I want to make sure that we're moving forward, um, especially because I can tell you uh, through, through the last several years that a lot of the decisions that are made, I know we use comparators a lot in local government, um, and it's really useful in a lot of cases, but... I can tell you, going through this personally, that a lot of the decisions that are made in other cities are really arbitrary, like literally picking numbers. Like, I don't know, maybe we'll just do five or four. That sounds good. You know, I saw that firsthand in many places, and I'm not shaming anyone for doing that, but that's, that was the perspective because people didn't really know what to do. And so I think that, you know, us taking a more um, detailed approach and making sure that we're, we're coming from a place of what's best for our operators, what's best for our community members, what's going to help these businesses be successful. Because I also want to note that this industry in particular is one that is often unionized. These are a lot of union workers um, at, through UFCW and other unions that are, um, that are paid well. Sometimes they have pensions. You know, so these are really good jobs in Sacramento. So I don't want to lose sight of that. Like we're, we want to, we want to foster these types of businesses and make sure that they can be successful. Um, and I will just kind of note that a few years ago, a, a big group of folks in the industry wrote a letter to the governor um, about the excise tax and about the cultivation tax, and uh, it warned of a great many things that were going to happen in the industry if, if that wasn't reformed, and those things are happening now. All the things that were, were brought up are happening now. We're seeing the industry struggle. We're seeing people go out of business. We're seeing people not renewing their licenses, and um, I think that that's a sign for us that maybe, maybe it's time to, to really take a look at that and to lead. Um, so I just wanted to put that in there. And I really appreciate um, last, um, Chair, your comments around, like, you know, making sure our fees and our staffing match up. Um, just one thing in, in particular that I remember is, is a, a detail is um, reporting ownership structure, for example. And if you have a big business that has, you know, 100 people or 200 people on their cap table and that's all getting reported to the city of Sacramento and then... What are we, you know, are we actually doing anything with that information? Are we, is, like, is that something that actually makes sense for us to be doing versus that's something that's already reported at the state level and, 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 uh, and processed there? So I just think through those types of things, like, uh, you know, we have a requirement that it happens. Is it something that actually makes sense for us to do at a local level? And I think if we do that kind of analysis, it might really help um, in terms of matching those things up. So I just wanted to make those comments. And again, just really wanted to appreciate everyone for great, great discussion. Thank you. Very valuable insight, Councilmember. Um, who wants to go first? Mayor, Councilmember? Whatever you want. All right. Mayor, go ahead. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. A um, couple of things. I think it's important to note the history here, which is that when Sacramento decided to get into the cannab legal cannabis business, it was, I mean, this was considered a sin tax, right? And really what's happening here is no longer a sin tax, a and yet it is taxed significantly higher and businesses, as you point out, and I will say, and maybe uh, 
We're inviting a hornet's nest here, but we should look at the BOT tax. Of course we should, and especially for, and I would exempt, by the way, the smaller businesses and the, you know, the, the, the great energy we're seeing on a lot of our commercial corridors, including our downtown, but for the big boxes, why shouldn't we look at this? It's anachronistic, it's old, and it's not fair. It's not progressive. And so we could potentially make up some of the resources um, that we might lose on the core side by really looking at this, but you know, we're going to need some friends in the business community to help us have a rational discussion about this, not, not an ideological discussion. So thank you for raising that. I will say, and you know, Eric Garrow whispers in my ear, so I'm always listening, <laughs> you know, a couple of things, that I think it is important for everyone as we have this very rational conversation to note the relationship potentially between the tax rate and the enforcement issue. And enforcement, I know, is a loaded term, but I think we all support enforcing and driving out the underground, uh, the underground businesses here. And so if we lose general fund money here as a result of ha uh, doing this in the wrong way, we make it that much harder then to drive out the underground economy because there isn't as many resources on the enforcement side, I think that's important. All right, Mayor, can I just clarify with Davina, are enforcement fees paid for by the general fund or by the fines and fees that are charged to businesses? I just wanna make sure we're super clear if that's okay. a key issue. No, that's... Yeah, so they, they are paid for by permit fees, okay. our, so our code officers. Right now. Well, wait a minute. Enforcement the, is paid for by the fees, so our all the enforcement staff is paid for by fee revenue. The police. Yes. 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 And not as, not as part of the, the permit fees don't go into the general fund. They're not mixed. No. Uh, Lainey? Go ahead. <laughs> they do, but they're, yeah. so, sorry, pointing they out. Are this is a department fund. revenue, so it can only be spent. Cannabis permit fees can only be spent on the cannabis program. On, on a, however, if we wanted to look outside the, the, the permit fee box and we said we wanted a more aggressive effort to enforce against the underground, then we would look to the general fund. So, so we, we would, and what, what we have done and what we have um, supplemented um, are, because we have told you we are underwater, our fees don't cover our cost of service, our um, fines and penalties, oh, there you so go. the $500 per plant helps us pay, close that delta between what okay. we're collecting and We got a fees. delta no matter what, and it has to be made up in some way if we're gonna help Okay, I'll move to my next point. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that is, I just want to say that's okay. I whisper back here off microphone, by fines and fees, like I don't think we should be expecting the entire industry to pay for bad actors, and that's where the fine and fee conversation is so important. If our fines are inadequate, if our fees are inadequate, then we should be visiting that. Well, so let's, let's visit my, that, my, my certainly, but there's also, you know, the issue of collecting against folks who might be moving all around and are elusive. So I get it. I, I'm for that. Um, I'm also for going all the way on core, right? Your, your comment and conversation about, you know, we lower to two and then we eliminate the double taxation, triple taxation. I'm for it. Let's go all in on core because that was our commitment. I also want to just reiterate, uh, again, not as a member of this committee, obviously, but as uh, that we I'm committed to trying to provide relief to the broader industry. I think that's what we, we should do. That's what we need to do. And I wonder, because I worry a little bit about 
analysis is really important. The data, as Councilmember Kaplan points out, is really important. But then how long before we come back to either Law and Ledge or the full City Council? I understand. Okay. Then let's, uh, let's hard, but we're going to try to do it. So last comment. I, I talked about the issue of performance, uh, basing the tax structure bid on performance, and the, the, um, the metric or the measure was, can we fill vacant spaces? What are the number of underutilized permits? I just want to point out that there is a different way to do taxation. You know, in, the, in California, the famous um, entertainment tax credit, the entertainment tax credit is not a lowering of the rate for uh, entertainment businesses. It's a tax credit. You get a return on your taxes based upon actually producing more entertainment within the state of California. And that, to me, seems like a, a, a smarter approach if we're going to look at tax reform in this industry, or at least something that ought to be considered equally, than just a reduction of, of various rates. Because for some of the existing players, we want, we want you to continue to producing. I know you're on the edge now. But we want you to also grow the industry, so to speak. And if we're growing the industry, then we're all benefiting because it's lifting all votes. A tax credit incentive may be more efficient and more effective than just an artificial determination of what the rate should be, which, again, you're playing a complete guessing game in terms of cause and effect. So as you come back in November, could you look at the entertainment tax credit, please? Could you look at some of the other tax credit uh, approaches that seem to get more closely the connection between cause and effect? Um, we will do that. That is um, uh, a portion of that is certainly a legal question, and so we'll have to confer with uh, the city what's attorney's the legal, office. What's the legal issue? Is if, if we can use a credit for cannabis tax revenue, basically take ten as can you know, provide a credit for cannabis taxes. So because they're voter approved. Because it's why. Oh, I see preemption. Yeah. Isn't that well? Ask the question. Let's ask. The question. I asked the question. He's here Let's to push the boundaries, this. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> we will ask that question. Yeah, the answer could be, we'll see. Um, all right, Councilmember Kaplan and then the Vice Mayor, and then we'll wrap up and call a question. Yeah, thank you, Chair. Um, I really appreciate your comments, and it also brought up, so uh, Vice Chair, maybe a, a slight looking at something different, because we, we know we need immediate relief. Like, if my fellow law and ledge want to say, let's do a 2% across the board, let's go right now, I don't think everybody's there, but... You know, I'm, I, am, I am not uh, opposed to that. But what I would say is where we need to start is um, because we can come back. And, and I think it's unfair to build our general fund and our reliance on funding programs based on cannabis because it has grown without looking hardcore at going back to the voters on the BOT, where we have businesses, especially those that are making over $100 million a year, um, to pay 5000 and why? Because in reality, cannabis is, is not the sin that it was made out to be years ago. It is not the war on drugs, um, and we need to stop treating it like the sin that we tax it as. Um, 
I don't know, but I would be of mind to say that we should limit uh, core tax to 3%, knowing that in two months coming back, I'm going to propose an action whether there's enough data or not for some sort of tax relief for everybody else, be it cultivation, delivery, dispensary, distribution, manufacturing, micro-testing, or, or, or testing lab, um, we tax it every way. And, and we need to find some relief ASAP. Um, and in two months, uh, I, I know, Chair, I can rely on you and your word of making sure it's back on the agenda so that we take action to go up to City Council um, no matter, I get it, you may not have the info. <laughs> I, no, I just want to point out, they are a policy team of two, and one of them is retiring in four days, and we have two to three works of state grant work that has to be done in a time certain, or we won't have met our requirements, so I'm just worried about whether two months is really feasible for us. I don't want to well, over-promise and under-deliver. Absolutely, and and here's the thing. Then, if that's the case, I know I'll take it upon myself. I I trust Council Vice Mayor Guerra and uh, my other colleagues and Jennings and Valenzuela and I will do our due diligence with the industry to gather our own data uh, on a discussion we need to have. If we don't have that data in front of in front of me, I am I'm I'm comfortable um, making those decisions. But Vice Mayor, would you entertain an amendment to the motion to say that the max tax for core members is three percent? No, and I'll I'll tell you why. I'll maintain my second on this. Um, number one, I don't want to I don't want to get ahead of ourselves when we're looking at the overall structure. If we if staff comes back with another structure, as was presented, that actually devalues the benefit we're doing to core. I mean, we want to make sure we right-size that. Mm -hmm. Now, we're moving this policy forward recommendation so we can get something moving forward. And in the end of it, we might actually have to do that. Yes, I agree with that. But I think at, at this point, like, let's get this piece moving forward. And the reality is we might actually have to readjust it. I think it's, a, it's you know, uh, all of these other pieces have to be taken at the same time. So I would say, and, and, and to the timing effect too, I think two months is, a, is, is appropriate for us to be aggressive, but I still think it's going to be a, a challenge for staff to come back with something that, that is well thought out. And I, again, I worry about the hastily conversation that we're having here, uh, particularly when, we're, when the city, and I, I you know, caution all my colleagues in this conversation, when we're also in the middle of a collective bargaining process where we're trying to meet all of those uh, city expectations um, in this process. We have a very delicate balance that we have to achieve. So I think for today's purposes, and as great as that may be a strong messaging point for core participants, I think what we need to do is move the staff recommendation forward and then have staff come back with us with a very rational proposal. I, I appreciate your enthusiasm, let me tell you. We haven't had that level of enthusiasm here before, like in that sense, in the past. It's been uh, much more. But I just think, look, this, this hearing has been very productive. Uh, and, uh, and, and look, I, the reality is the core participants might end up in my district. And that point, I'll make it again. Most of these applicants have ended up in essentially two to three districts, but by and large, one. And for the, I will make the point again that Yes, fee, the, the fines and the, I mean the fees are used, can only be used for the purposes of executing the program. But we've had to supplement them each time. This, the, we've had to make sure we uh, use our own other revenues, whether they be the uh, fines of the enforcement 
Uh, and the fact is, uh, in, in District 6, we've had situations at the beginning of this program where we had many problems. And the, the wonderful part that I will point out is that with having so many operators, the numbers have been small of complaints, but when there is a problem operator, it is a big problem for everybody around them. So it's important that we do this soberly and responsibly because what we don't want is to exacerbate a problem here with the imbalance of our revenue. So that's, I'll leave it at that, and I'll say I'll second your motion that you immediately put forward because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that the core uh, uh, relief we do also matches what we're, what we're trying to do for everyone so, else. So clear on our motion is the core that came out of diversity is going to city council for the graduated. Um, that's the motion to move that forward and then come back for a discussion in two months on looking at the taxes for others. Just to make it very, very clear, because I know we've had a lot of back and forth, but that's... that's no, correct. But like I said, we may end up having to readjust the core program if, it confl if we find a, a different structure that maybe is even more beneficial than what core is getting. So that, that's why I think it's, it's I'm not important not to be hypothetical. I'm not stuck on whatever decision we make. <laughs> <laughs> All right, spirited back and forth across the board. I will just say that um, I think a lot of variation has happened in the last few years across states of California and I'm very, across the state of California, and I'm very hopeful that we will come up with some cool creative new idea here in the city, but I'm also pretty on board with the fact that we just need to change something soon. Um, you know, I've been on this committee for over three years now and we've been talking about this issue pretty much that entire time um, and it would be great to take some action. Uh, I am sensitive to the question of do we devalue the benefit to core but like I said I don't think if you ask any core participant right now to come off mute and say what they think they don't want four <laughs> percent so like devaluing to core is like they would take the zero percent for a year and then one percent for the next year and two percent and then keep it there and so I guess I want to let folks speak for themselves to that extent but I want to support the intent of Councilmember Kaplan in terms of bringing something back in November I, I think that I um, do have a fair number of dispensaries in my district not as many as you do, um, Vice Mayor, but I hear their calls. I hear their pleas. I know their workers. Um, these are folks that we really need to make sure we're doing something as soon as we possibly can, because if we keep talking about the issue, the issue, the issue, and failing to act, we are not really recognizing, I think, the urgency of the issue that they're experiencing. And I want to highlight what one of the public commenters said when she said that 10 people giving up their permits after everything they go through to get permits in the city of Sacramento speaks volumes to me and I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective so I want to appreciate you from raising it it's like if 10 people every year 10 businesses went through that whole rig and roll and at the end are like I'm out like that's a big deal um, and so I want to be really sensitive to the car and um, vice mayor if it's okay we've gone back and forth and back and forth and you have spoken many a piece so, I will uh, and, you... and madam chair the only reason I punch up is because the majority of these app permits are in district six the grand majority and so nobody this is a that. very sensitive point and I will just make one final point. Many times when our applicants have had a difficult time has been through the building permit process. We go through the rigmarole of the CUP, the BOT, and then they're stuck in the building permit process. And in the building permit process, like, we, have a, we have a challenge on our building inspectors to keep them here. And so, again, this is why I'm very sensitive about because if, if, our, if we get them through this and we don't have the inspectors and the staff to actually get their project built and going, and we've had that situation where they're trying to meet their space requirements and get all those issues. So I, I want to stress how, you know, it's a critical 
and we, guess who gets the calls? District 6 gets those calls. Yeah. Well, I'm also completely in favor of expanding the zoning so that it's not all in District 6, um, which I do hope will also come to us um, at some point in my time here on the council. But um, I appreciate that that takes a while to work through. Um, I guess I just want to say, let's see the whole picture. You know, what we've done here today is do a really good job of talking about the whole picture. Do we reform the BOT more globally? Do we reform? I mean, there are many ways. Are we going to start losing businesses if we don't reduce the rate? And that then will have the impact on the general fund. What we need to do is be more strategic than looking at isolated issues in a vacuum and saying, this is the cause, this is the cause, this is the cause. Because it's not. It's a complex industry that has multitudes of causes going together. And I do think. 2% would make a huge difference for most of the businesses that we've talked to um, and really want to respect that they are speaking for themselves. They see their spreadsheets. They know what's going on. They're paying their employees, and they're saying 2% would make a big difference, and we have to take that to heart. Um, so I am eager and willing to have an agenda item on November. Come what may, what staff is able to prepare, and if we need to keep having conversations or bring in outside folks, let's, let's talk about that to help supplement what we're talking about here at Council. Um, but I'm really reticent, and I want to appreciate that when our former chair, Shanir, Left, and I was like, we're going to move this cannabis stuff in the first six months of the year. He was like, ha ha, good luck. Um, and, and I just want to say that I am determined to not end my tenure as chair on this council committee without moving some of the needles on some of these issues. We can't just keep talking about this. And I really just want to make sure that's clear to everybody that we can't just keep talking about this and saying we hear you and not taking action. Um, and so November it is. November, my motion will be to move forward a 2%. And if I do not have the support on the dais, so be it. Um, so Thank you, staff. You want to chime in here? Or, oh, gosh. There's no L&L currently scheduled in November. So. We will schedule a meeting in November. <laughs> we will do this on a Tuesday. We will expect all of the holiday treats to be brought to us. No, I'm kidding. Um, but not that week, please. <laughs> we would get so little time off on this council. Please, not that week. Um, but we will find a date in November. We will make it happen. Um, and we will be back. And that is going to be my motion. And I hope that we will continue to move forward as expeditiously as the conditions require. Um, and we're going to do a vote. Yeah, we have a first and a second on the motion is to advance the core proposal by mayor, um, is to advance the core proposal to council for consideration and to bring back the taxation item in November to LNL. Um, all those in favor on law and legislation, please say aye. aye. Any opposed? Abstention? Passes unanimously with the law and legislation committee members present. And thank you all. This is a special meeting, so there's no off agenda comments, although I'm sure we'll hear from you later. So have a great day.